Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. We hope you'll be encouraged to have an I'm Third approach as you navigate family, leadership, and spiritual growth. If you're new to our conversation, welcome. It's so great to have you. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. This is Shay Robbins. I'm here with my teammate, co-host, and the head coach of Canacuck Camps. It's Joe White. <laughs> the head coach. I like that. We are a football team here at Canacuck. <laughs> now, we do have an amazing family around Canacuck. I think full-time, there's like 130 or 40 of us, and everybody plays like a well-oiled football team. So thank you, Shay. I appreciate that. That's right. We have got a phenomenal show for you guys today. Uh, the title of our podcast is Walking Through Adversity Together. And we are here with some special guests, aren't we, Coach? Yeah, we are. Shay, if I wrote a biography on Grant and S.J. Gaines, it would be entitled Delightful from the Heart. When you look at Grant and S.J., their husband and wife, in a way, they look like twins. They both smile all the time. They're pleasant. They giggle. They laugh. They're very much in love. They're for each other. And I know as we talk today about walking through adversity together, we're going to learn a lot just from letting Grant and SJ just exude who they are together. And I hope that that comes through, Shay, loud and clear in the broadcast today. That's right. Well, you know, we have this couple in for a reason. Um, they've been through quite a journey. And the key word of our conversation today is together, walking through adversity together, because we've seen you know, when you walk through hardship with your kids, a lot of times the enemy uses that to separate families and divide families and to break families. But uh, a couple years ago, the Gaines walked through a tremendous hardship, but they walked through it together and their community was on the sidelines, watching them, cheering them on, praying them through. And it is truly God's testimony. And so why don't we start there? Uh, Grant and Sarah, would you guys mind sharing your the story of Remy? For sure, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll Grant have, starting because I'm already tearing up, <laughs> and I'll have Sarah fill in a lot of details. <laughs> but I, I think just the almost uh, setting the background first is like we just there are so many people who go through far more difficult things than we went through two years ago, and so just we're, we're not competing with anyone. We just believe that. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 just states that God comforts us in trials so that we can comfort others as well going through similar trials. So uh, all that being said, we had a, a fun journey about two years ago with our little daughter, Remy Gaines. She was born on March 18th, 2019, and uh, pretty quickly plunged into a unique world of chaos. So Sarah... Um, yes, the chaos started. <laughs> she, um, so I was in labor. They had induced me. I, I will tell way too many details too. So, um, I had been induced. It was going pretty normally. And, um, all of a sudden my doctor, uh, as she was examining me, my water broke and with my water came the umbilical cord and I never knew this before, but that is called a prolapse cord, and that means emergency C-section. So all of a sudden, it went from a very calm 11 p.m. room with about two people 
in there to what seemed like 15 or 20, and they're pulling all the cords out, and they are um, the doctor's up on the bed <laughs> holding her head in, and she, I like look at Grant. He's as pale as my phone case, which is white, and um, and we like exchange. We're like, ha, it, we don't even know what to say, and they tell Grant. What do they say to you? Uh, we're going to try to save your daughter. Yeah. So that's like where the trauma starts and then it just keeps going. Um, and so basically they put me under because it was an emergency and it just is faster that way. And, um, Remy comes out and Grant's outside of the room. Um, and I think maybe lets out one little sound. And then I think for the next 45 minutes, they just have a hard time getting her to breathe. And so finally they intubate her, which just means putting in a breathing tube. She rips it out, which shows them that she has a little bit of a fight in her, which is awesome. Um, and basically they end up needing to train. We were, she was born in Branson. There's not a neonatal intensive care unit here. So they end up, um, yeah, by, e, uh, what's the word called? Ambulance. <laughs> That's all right. That's, that's a hard word. I always get hung up on that one, too. It's <laughs> a hard word. Uh, yeah, transport her up to Springfield, Missouri. And from there, they find that she has pneumonia. She has just a couple other really, really serious critical things. And she was 41 weeks when she was born. So they called her a linebacker in the NICU because she was just so big compared to a lot of babies. Just right. a, a beautiful linebacker. Just a beautiful, yeah. big, yeah. seven-pound linebacker. Um, and... Yeah, from there, she just was on this thing called an, what is it called? An oscillator, which just, it was just all really scary, loud machines. And you're constantly looking at the monitor like, is that number good? Is that number bad? And um, we started to think she was getting a little bit better. And then she got an infection. And then a day after that, she started to have the highest blood pressure ever. What are you guys, you just moved into neonatal up in, up in Springfield after they said, we're going to try and save your daughter. Right. What are you guys emotionally feeling? What's going through your head and your heart? For Sarah and I, it's going to be a little different, but I know for me, I, I thought that this was going to be a short stint in the NICU. So wasn't terribly, terribly, terribly nervous, so to speak, because up until that blood pressure started spiking and they felt like it was just kind of a you know, let's, let's keep her here for about a week. We'll get out of here. But nevertheless, it's still watching your daughter, your firstborn daughter, just being completely helpless, getting pricked with needles all the time. So that's not fun, obviously, and not the way that you envision welcoming a little baby into the world. So that was tough. But at least at that moment, while we we're still in Springfield, the thought was, okay, we got, we're here for about a week, and then we'll go home and life should be normal. And for me, it was the hardest thing ever because I had to stay in Branson while she went to Springfield up to be in the NICU. So um, it, that was the hardest part because you just don't picture having to FaceTime in your baby's first days of life. Right. Um, why, why did that happen? Um, because I had had a C-section and so they just didn't let, I had to stay in the hospital for my doctors to like monitor me. And so it just was so hard because you, as a mom, you're just so ready to take care of your baby. And... For me, I just felt, I felt so selfish and not that it was my control, but I was still just worrying about myself and taking care of myself in the hospital. I had my mom there 
and parents there. Grant, it was a no-brainer. He needed to go up and be with Remy. So Mm -hmm. it was just the hardest thing to FaceTime in your baby's first days of life. And you just long to, like, be waking up by her at night to nurse and all of that. And instead it was like an alarm to pump. And um, so— for us, it was just, you know, I was just recovering from surgery. It was really hard emotionally on me just because it was just nothing that you would expect. And then you see your precious baby, you're just not sure that, like, she is going to make it. So, SJ, at that time when you were deeply, deeply concerned about your child and in somewhat considerable pain yourself with childbirth and with the C-section on top of that, what was your faith saying to you in all honesty? What was your, what was it like trying to transfer your, your, your trust in God when everything seemed chaotic on this earth? Oh, man. Uh, I'm... I you always wonder why, you know, I think everyone just questions the why. Um but I think just through different things we had even walked through before, I just knew he was there and I knew that he was in control and good and that's what I'm like that's totally God's grace. Doesn't mean I like didn't question or didn't wonder why, like you still have all those questions and the doubts are there a hundred percent. But I just knew that God was in control and good. Like I, I just knew that he was. So the prayers became very deep and emotional and intense. And, um, so yeah, I knew he was there and I'd answer that. I had to answer that question before, more not emotionally just answer do I believe God is good and so now I was like having to answer it answer it with my life and so Grant when you're in emotional trauma which obviously as a daddy you are um, how does your faith bring you towards peace I'm sure there's not complete peace when you wonder if your baby's going to live but how does your faith bring you towards peace in your heart. Joe, I think that for everyone, all of life is just you meshing what you know from God's word to be true and then what you have in front of you. And often the two don't look like they can mesh or be married in any way, shape or form, such as what Sarah's talking about. God is 100% good. He's loving. He's compassionate. He's able to bring healing. And there we are in the NICU and there's our daughter laying there and it's like, man, God, if we, we know you're able to, we know you love us. We know you love Remy. You knit her together for nine months. Like, again, how does this mesh together? And so I think that's what Sarah was largely referring to is that, man, our, our prayers were largely just looking back at scripture of what we knew to be true and just somehow trying to remind ourselves that what we see in the Bible is more true than what we're seeing physically in front of us. Like there's a greater reality that faith helps us to walk, not by what we're seeing, by, but by what we know to be true. So uh, yeah, it was not easy, but having God's word as an anchor hidden in our hearts. And we're so thankful for 
uh, in the Kenneth Cook Institute where we got to learn about God's truth, but just our upbringings, we learned so much about the Lord that Jesus talks about, you know, building your foundation upon the rock before the storm comes, because once the storm comes, you can't start digging. You, you dig when it's metaphorically 72 and sunny. Mm -hmm. And so we're so thankful for the times when it was in our lives as single individuals and then married when life was fun and rosy to dig deep foundations on God's truth. So when that storm did come wailing through our, our world, we were able to like be broken, be heart rended and just terrified, but still be able to stand because we were standing upon the rock. One of the biggest, you know, Romans eight twenty eight says, we know that God causes all things to work together for good. One of the biggest things that I wrestled with with the, with the Lord and in my prayer life and thought life was that like what we think to be good is not always the good that God has for us. And so I think my biggest fear throughout the whole, we were in the NICU for six weeks, throughout those six weeks was like, what if, because for me, the good is her being healthy and getting out of the hospital and not right. having anything. And um and so I just had this fear that like God's good wasn't that. And by God's grace, it was. And we got to bring her home. But yeah, I just, and so it was a really good, like challenging. And it's still, that's still a thing that I'll just always wrestle with. I think is like, we just always have our version of good. And so I think my biggest prayer was that my heart would want the good that God has for me, even if it's not what I picture and think to be good. Wow. So Sarah, Remy's blood pressure drops. What's the next part of the story? What happens from there? It actually raises super, super high. Oh, I'm like sorry. I had way, no, it's reverse there. Way higher than probably anyone's blood pressure in this room. Um, and so uh, I don't even re remember how, but they decided to do a kidney ultrasound and they found a little blockage of blood in her right kidney. And her blood pressure continued to raise. They were on a little bit of, um, they'd put her on a little bit of blood pressure medication, but it just wasn't really doing it. And so um, my dad, who's also a vascular surgeon, which was a huge blessing in this whole process, that he went to bed that night and he was, he's like, I woke up and I packed my bags. I just knew it was time for us to go to a more specialized hospital. And that day, again, by God's grace, the doctors were like, we think we need to transfer you up to St. Louis Children's. And so that's what they did. It was crazy. She took her first flight without us. Um, and they flew her to St. Louis. And that next morning they did her first CT scan. And what they found um, was that it wasn't just her right kidney, but all of her um, small and medium vessels had some narrowing, some damage to them. And the way it was presented to us was. So we, we went to a conference room after that CT scan, probably 10 doctors around the table with us and both sets of grandparents. And yeah, just the, the way they un unrolled the, the details of Remy's disease was basically like, sorry, there's just, there's not a lot we can do. Like we've never seen this disease or what we think this disease to be in anyone this young. So there wasn't just like a, 
solution at the end of it, right? It was just kind of, here's kind of what we think it is. We're going to try these couple things and here's to where, see if it works. Yeah, it goes from here is just downhill, but we'll try. We'll do our best to, to heal her, just kind of almost prepare for the worst sort of deal. So as that obviously that was rough. Point, your heart drops. Yeah, it's devastating. You think, you really don't think you're ever going to get to bring her home. So it's a very, very vivid memory is being in there. And even my dad as a vascular surgeon, it's like when he's crying, you know that it's very serious and critical, like beyond critical. So, you know, there's so many times in your story where your family is split, you know, right. I mean, whether how are you guys through this staying united and and heart and spirit. What did that look like? So as you can fill in a lot of this, I mean, again, it goes back to our common bond of faith. So we're still praying together via phone or whenever we're together, we're praying all the time. Every night we're reading. I think we got this from you, Joe and Debbie Joe, read the Psalms every night. And we were just going through those praying. Um, and that's largely, again, just the faith that our whole life, every waking hour and sleeping hour is consumed with Remy's health. Is she going to be okay? What's the, you know, next 12 hours, what's the next 24 hours going to look like of treatment? And so, yeah, you're just, you're swimming in that ocean of this isn't good. But again, we're looking up above the water where we feel like we're drowning and there's a God who is good. And so I really think that at a time where we didn't get to go on fun date nights and, you know, watch fun movies and do different things. It was, hey, we got Psalm 3, we got Psalm 34. We had, I mean, worship songs every day when we were going to and from the hospital. That was just one big sob session <laughs> where we were just crying the whole time. Amazing. We didn't get in a wreck going to or from. <laughs> That's very true. But yeah, just solely came back to, we had no doctors, no medicine, no treatments to hope in. We literally only had the Lord to hope in. And that's like the common thing that, kept us just together as we would, I mean, just prayer, prayer and Bible. And Grant was just the most amazing leader for us, for our family of three. Well, Remy was there. He just led spiritually. He cared for me. And like, I definitely cried probably 500 times more than Grant did. Just naturally, just how I am. He, he was, yeah, anyways. And so he just led our family so well and supported me and cared for me and pointed me back to truth all day, truly all day long. Mm. So. Show you one thing I watch with Grant and SJ all the time, whether they are in emotional trauma or where they are in a period of emotional peace, uh, is how kind they are to each other. And as you know, from having six children and running a very large camp, uh, trauma tends to make people tense. Obviously, everybody knows that who's been in trauma. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, uh, a lot of couples that, you know, that you and I have counseled with over the years, they take trauma out on each other. And they become uh, harsh towards each other 
because their anxiety builds up some kind of a uh, an angry emotion inside of them. Maybe there's not the peace in God that Grant and S.J. enjoy by faith together. And it's crazy to me as I watch couples together, it's crazy how mean we are to the person we love the most. And that is just parents take it down on their children, children take it down on their parents. And yet these are the prizes, the treasures of our life. Our spouse, there's no one as valuable as my wife, Debbie Jo. And, you know, by the grace of God, when they start chopping off feet and legs and toes and, you know, all the kind of interesting things that have happened in our world lately, uh, you know, like y'all, we turn towards faith and we turn towards each other, not against each other. And Grant SJ, y'all do that all the time. That's the walking lesson you are to us, the way you pull together all the time. So when your crisis came, you continued to pull together and you were always so kind to each other. You speak peace to each other. You depend on each other. You lean into each other. And Shay, I think that's why they come out holding hands no matter what they go through. You know, grief needs a place to land. And when we turn to people... To solve our grief, I mean, you can get comfort from people, but to solve it, they're going to come up short and fail you. And, and when you don't have somewhere else to turn, or perhaps you've forgotten the right place, you know, and you put that on people, it tears relationships apart. And I, I just think, you know, God, in that passage you referenced, Grant, God is you know, he's the God of all comfort. And that word comfort in the Greek is, it is a, a calling near or a coming near. And, and I just think that the only healthy option when you're in grief is, is a coming near to God. He's the only one who can handle it. And so you guys are a great example of two imperfect human beings that walk through this together, together, you comforted each other, you encouraged each other, you cried with each other, but but you guys were coming near to God and not just each other. And I think you just see a healthy grieving process. And I know it didn't feel pretty at the time, but for us who are on the outside watching, I mean, we're all in awe. You guys really walked through it so well. SJ, when was the turning point from the hour of desperation? What happened? By turning point, do you mean in Remy's health? Yeah. So they did a, they did treatment on her for about two weeks. I think they finally started it. She was finally at a place where she could start to have some milk. <laughs> um, and so I, she physically started to, I think, look a little bit better and started to do baby things because for the first two, three weeks, she was mostly sedated. Um, just with having a breathing tube in and all of that. And so I think during those, once we got that news and they started her on treatment, she started to have a couple moments where she seemed more like a baby. And then two weeks later, um, 
they did another scan and it just was even harder. They brought it was again kind of one of those conference room meetings and it just was like it's not only in her medium and small arteries, but we found it in her large vessels too, in her aorta. And so just felt it would that was hard, obviously. And then they just can they were just like, We're just gonna do another treatment. We're just gonna try it. And two weeks after that, nothing had gotten worse. And so they said, We're gonna send you home <laughs> which was crazy. <laughs> Um, but so excited in what we longed for. And so I would say there were small turning points, but we brought her home still a little nervous as we were taking her blood pressure three times a day. She was on a lot of medication still. And so we definitely didn't have this fully confident, your baby's totally healthy. It was a, she has this disease and it's just how it is. And so we're just going to continue to do the treatment that we think best. But there were moments through, like, as we progressed where she was drinking milk from a bottle or she was, like, starting to do some tummy time, just different things you do with a baby, which was really sweet and fun. Grant, where's Remy at right now? What's kind of her health update? Man, she, uh, well, externally, she makes us look like liars. Like, she's just the most joyful, Mm -hmm. wild little two-year-old in the world. Just (laughs) so much fun. Truly wild. Um, <laughs> we all have a. We go to St. Louis still every other month to have uh, infusions of medicine, doctor's appointments, whatnot. We'll do one more scan, and if the scan looks good, they feel like they'll be able to taper off even more medication, and just kind of let her continue on with taking blood pressure meds and checking her blood pressure. But largely, the the big guns, so to speak, will be pulled back. So we're we're praying for a healthy scan in July. But yeah, she's. She's awesome. She's a joy. What would you say, you know, just looking back, I haven't walked through this and, you know, obviously it's an ongoing journey, but what, how has God grown you guys up as a married couple in the process? I mean, (laughs) can we keep talking for the next four hours, right? There's just Mm -hmm. a million different ways. And I think you just think of the analogy that's often referred to in the Bible, but, you know, in trials, you have the, the, the furnace and you can put any sort of metal through furnace and it's going to burn away all the impurities and all that's going to come out from the, through on the other side of the furnace is that pure gold. And I think that through us being in the fire together, it has really burned off a lot of quote unquote impurities in our marriage, so to speak, or really raised to the, the top what matters and what's important. And so uh, I feel like, man, we just have, whenever things go bad, it's just, there's just, it's nothing in comparison to what we already went through. And so we're kind of able to almost do it with a laugh and a smile now because the Lord sustained us through what was probably our biggest, preferably our biggest trial in our life for years to come. So yeah, it just, it just merged us. We're just, we're definitely one for sure. We call it dragon fighting. Yeah. Whenever there's a big trial or a small trial, we just kind of look at each other and we say, what do we say? Here's another dragon. Another dragon. Another dragon. <laughs> and so I just can't imagine <laughs> walking through all this with Grant. And again, he's just my, I mean, he's my best friend and we have so much fun together. Mm. And even while we're in the NICU, I guarantee you we laughed every day just because we have this really fun, sweet marriage that's definitely 
founded in the Lord. I think we need to rename this podcast Dragon Fighting. Grant, you mentioned uh, Psalms 30 a minute ago, weeping may last for a lifetime, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. Uh, you know, I just I want everyone who's listening to hear the power of sharing the Word of God together and the power of praying through crisis together. It seems obvious that a couple would let God's Word speak to them daily together and that a couple would hold hands and pray daily at least or hourly in crisis together. Uh, and yet it's overlooked a lot in crisis situations in marriage. Uh, how did the prayers together and reading the Psalms together, how did you find the power of the supernatural come into your lives and into your marriage to heal uh, the anxiety that you're oh. feeling? Well, yeah, it replaced the lies that we were yeah. seeing in front of us with the truth of God, right? So it elevated our view and it's the way that the Lord intended us to pray. The Lord's prayer, the model he gave us is give us our daily bread, forgive us our, like there's so many, um, you know, you're supposed to be praying with other people, I guess is what I'm saying. It just, it's the way that the Lord intended it. And so I feel like we really got to experience that benefit walking through a trial of praying together. And yes, like you were saying, allowing God's peace just to circumvent our circumstances. It just brings you back into a right place of this is who God is. And so I want to turn my eyes to him and trust him. Like, I just think praying and being in God's word, it just brings back your hope and your trust. And even it just reminds you, like, I'm putting my hope in the Lord and not in Grant, not in Remy's health. I'm just going to put my hope in the Lord. So That was the final word right there, Sarah. <laughs> Grant Sarah, thank you so much for taking time and sharing your testimony. And um, we're just such a big fan of you and your growing family who will be out at K2 this summer, which we couldn't be more thrilled about that. Thank um, you. For those of you in our audience, I want you to know Grant is a great writer. And he actually wrote a book about this experience called Seeing the Savior in Your Scars the character of God in the Presence of Pain. And you can find that on Amazon. Uh, I read it myself. and. It's, it is an incredible journey, very well written and full of practical advice uh, for the trials and the dragons that await, <laughs> right? Well, we thank you, our audience, for being with us today. We pray that our conversation serves to fuel your I'm Third approach to family. And with that, we'd love to pray over you and yours. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for walking through hardship with us. It's good to serve a God that is well acquainted with grief and suffering. You know that you're compassionate and understanding and that we never walk alone. And I just want to pray over the families out there as they, they face their dragons, um, that they'd fight together, Lord, that you'd unify them, that you would uh, crush the enemy and the lies and deceit in their life and that they would hang their hat on truth every day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope today's conversation left you encouraged, strengthened, and empowered. If you haven't had a chance, please subscribe to our podcast today to stay up to date with the latest episodes. 
if this podcast has helped you in any way, please consider rating us, writing a review, or sharing it with others so we can continue to build you up with an I'm Third approach to family, leadership, and spiritual growth. For more information about the podcast, visit canacuckpodcast.com. And for more information about Canacuck, you can visit canacuck.com. <laughs>